was taught from very young that in order to lead, you got to learn how to follow first. So I knew my place in beach. I'm the new guy. I've never done this before. So uh, I was very big on just learning from as much as possible. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Hashtag Spread the Sand, Season 4, Episode 7. I'm your host, Dylan Thompson, and with me today is Andres Navas. Andres, how you doing, man? What's up, man? I'm doing good, bro. Thanks for having me. You're always so monotone and chill and quiet. <laughs> I'm tired from, from this morning's training, bro. Yeah. Hey, get into that a little bit. Tell us what you guys did at training, the elite beach soccer oh, training down in Miami. So first training back, actually second training back. We trained on Tuesday after coming back from camp. Tuesday was pretty light. We got there today. Uh, actually, yesterday I did uh, the bridge app. So it's like a, a bunch of gym workouts, which is a new cycle started this week, I guess. So it's mm-hmm. like different workouts. So I'm incredibly sore. Get to practice. And as soon as we <laughs> park, we see our uh strength conditioning speed and agility guy waiting for us and everybody's just dreading it and we're already sore from yesterday and it was just it wasn't fun man (laughs) i hate i hated every minute of it but but it was good you put some work work in today Uh, yeah no that that's why i'm monotone today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly usually Andres is uh, excited to, to play beach but I wish y'all could see him right now he's like looking down he's like oh dude I'm, I'm here right now yeah man I need a nap <laughs> so yeah well we'll get you some food after this man I'll send you some a memo for some coffee or something but uh so what we'll do now I just want to kind of talk so you mentioned camp which we were both at an awesome opportunity. Um, you had another official call up to a camp, which is amazing. Um, but prior to that, I wanted to kind of get into a little bit because you are like, like a lot of the national team players in rotation currently. Uh, one of the national team players that uh, has had D1 soccer experience. You played D1 in Florida. And I kind of want you to touch on that experience at Florida Gulf Coast a little bit. Um, and just how that shaped you as a soccer player in general. Um, and, and that was prior to your beach experience. So maybe talking a little bit about your college student athlete experience. Yeah, man. Um, my, I never had intentions of playing uh, college soccer. I always thought my plan was always to, as soon as I graduate high school, move to Ecuador and try to play pro in Ecuador. Because I knew the route here was through college or one of the main routes. Um, so playing in, in high school I, I and in club, I, I got offered a full scholarship to Florida Gulf Coast and I didn't want to go, but my parents made me. And uh, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, my parents were not, they told me you're not going to give up a free education. So I took it and uh, I had nothing, I had no knowledge about college soccer. Like, I didn't know how the level was going to be. I didn't know, I didn't know much about D1, D2, D3, NAIA, all these different divisions. So right away, I got put into a very competitive environment. I mean, Florida Gulf Coast, we were a very small school, but our soccer program was amazing. Um, When I got there, they were 
in uh, probation. So when a new program starts D1, they have to go through four years where they can't play the playoffs. They can compete. They can play in, in the league, uh, in the conference, but they can't go to uh, playoffs. So my first two years, I we couldn't go to playoffs. So actually my sophomore year, we, we had one of the best teams in the country. We were ranked like top, I think we got to the 13 or 14 my sophomore year. We only lost two games. We beat Ohio State. That was ranked like top five. We beat Marquette. We beat a bunch of schools and the season ended and we couldn't play playoffs. <laughs> so you couldn't so, even be put in to get like a bid into the tournament or anything? No. It actually, if, if we would have, we would have had a straight buy into the second round because the record was so good. Wow. But since we were in that final probation year, we couldn't play and that's it. Like our season ended. It sucked. We had a we only lost two games, had a great season, but that's it. So definitely wasn't ready to come into an, an environment that competitive. Um but uh, thankfully I was able to succeed there. I mean, my freshman year, I uh, my first game I started already as a freshman. Um I started most of my freshman year. I think I got bench like the last five games of the season and then sophomore year came in and and was a a starter for the rest of the three years that I was there um and just playing there I think really the most development I got there was mainly as a leader um my senior year I, I I was captain of the team and and that really helped me learn how to how to lead through example how to lead through just being positive with the team how to um how to leave off lead off the field I got injured in in my senior year and I was out like five six games I it's like how can I help the team if I'm not on the field so uh it really helped me to to learn how to how to do things off the field that that go a long way and and help help your teammates in competition. I know this that your first beach experience, at least to my knowledge, was playing against the Bahamas national team. You you got invited to come play. You had no idea that beach was like this high level of a thing, or that you know there were opportunities to play other national teams. And so you get to play a Bahamas national team. Do you want to talk a little bit about that at first initial experience? Yeah. Yeah. So. After college, I stopped playing. Uh, I was just playing on Sunday league games. I, I think I've told you Sunday league here is super competitive in Miami. Like, there's so much talent. So, uh, I was just nothing. I just playing those Sunday league games, you know. And I don't know how. I literally have no idea how Francis got in contact with me and invited me to come train and told me that they were playing the national, the Bahamian national team in, in two weeks. Dude, I was driving like an hour and a half to, to get to his practices. I think I went just two weeks and then boom, we played the Bahamian national team. And I'll never forget. I played and I said, I'm never doing this ever again. Dude, my legs were on fire. I couldn't breathe. Uh, it was me and my buddy. Uh, we would drive together and we were both like, nah, this isn't for us, man. And we also didn't know that beach soccer was that big, man. Like we thought it was more like a hobby or like, a, 
I didn't know it was an official national team. I didn't know they had official World Cups. I didn't know they had all these competitions. So I didn't really care for it. Uh, and that was in 2016. And we played that that one game and never came back <laughs> until 2020. <laughs> you know, you, you have that opportunity in 2016. Like some players that approach beach soccer for the first time, you get humbled, right? Real quick, you get humbled as a soccer player. Um, not always does being a phenomenal athlete on the grass translate to, to being right away a phenomenal athlete on the sand. So we talked a little bit about leadership prior to this. I'm just curious, when you started getting back into it, when the pandemic hit, you know, you, you were starting to train more and uh, really hone in on, you know, the sand aspect of the game. How did you still, or did you find it hard to uh, come into this game and be more of someone who's learning the game rather than playing that leadership role that maybe you were used to? It wasn't difficult for me because I've always known and was taught from very young that in order to lead, you got to learn how to follow first. So I knew my place in beach. I'm the new guy. I've never done this before. So uh, I was very big on just learning from as much as possible and, and just being okay with messing up every pass or with not getting the shots off that I want because the, the ball is not rolling perfectly, you know? So uh, I think I was pretty good with just knowing my place that I was still learning and I'm still learning. I mean, I still have that mentality. So um, I think it, it was easy for me to come into the sport and just with that mentality of like, let's learn as much as possible every day. What do you feel like was a momentum shift for you and your beach soccer uh, career and time playing throughout the events that you've been in? So we've had MBSLs, we've had, uh, you know, you've had USA camps to be a part of. I know that there are some events that I've seen you really shine in, but I want to know for you personally, where do you feel like there was like a turning point for you that you felt, you know, I'm starting to really grasp the game? Um, I think it was the second national team call-up that I got. Um, the first one was for World Cup qualifiers. Uh, that was 14 guys that went, and out of the 14, 12 went to the qualifiers. Um that's when I really got to see like the level and the talent that's on the national team. And I for sure wasn't ready then. Um, but then the second national team camp that I got invited to, which was camp right before they were head going to the world cup. That's when I felt comfortable. That's when I was like, okay, I can, I think I could play with these guys. And, um, and I don't know if you remember, it was the camp. And then as soon as the camp finished, that same weekend, we had NBSL tournament. And that NBSL tournament was the first time that I was scoring a lot of goals. I mean, I think I had a hat trick in one game and uh, a goal in the final to tie last minute before Alvaro sent us home. <laughs> um, so the but that was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the tournament that I was like, Okay, I had like, I'm getting the hang of it. I I, I feel like, um, like I'm, I'm I'm excelling at this sport and um, and yeah, I mean, I still don't think I'm I'm up there, but definitely working my way. 
Yeah, I mean, you can say that humbly. I have my own opinions, but whatever, whatever makes you feel better, dude. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I I would agree, right? Like, it's the ample opportunities that we have to play, and then being able to physically see the improvement along the way. And obviously, you know, you continue to get call ups. We had this camp, this ID camp, this past weekend, in which ten players were called up. Uh, and then the rest were invited separately to be able to come and, and participate and play with the national team. And, and I'll echo what you were saying, uh, being able to go there as an ID player and playing with the guys that, you know, Francis invites and deems at that level and, and ready to be called on. Uh, it's a total it's a total shift in the play. You know, we we train and play pickup here in Santa Cruz. And we play with some of those guys. Um, but it's more it's more pickup oriented. Right. Like it's when you're getting in and being coached by the head coach and the assistant coach of the national team and playing with guys who are understanding and excelling at the concepts that we're being taught. Um, it, it just sets you up for success to continue to improve and, and try to get to that level. It also it motivated me more than anything, right? Like those are my boys and <laughs> I, I want to get to where they're at. Like that was kind of my mentality. So um, yeah. And Continuing to kind of build on that a little bit, uh, I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, with these things coming out, what, you know, what goals do you have for yourself to continue to improve? How do you, how do you kind of stay motivated in your mind? Uh, I mean, my goal is definitely to, to make a debut. I mean, this is my third national team call up, um, but I still haven't played an official game with with uh, the national team so that that's my goal and and that's what keeps me motivated I mean every day I'm waking up like thinking about how I can get better I'm starting to play uh, some foot volley um, hitting the gym every day and just taking uh, practice more serious and trying to go out as as much as possible on my own um, but yeah man I mean it doesn't stop I'm not gonna stop until Hopefully I make that debut with the national team, you know? Love that, man. And uh, you'll be back on the podcast too shortly after that. And we'll talk about your debut and this and the other thing. <laughs> um, I also want to talk about how you own your own business. Uh, top class. If you, if you know Andres, you know that that's like his go-to phrase, top class. Like he throws that out there whenever he sees something super quality. Um, but he was able to make that into, you know, his own passion for, for business and training. Um, and I want you to kind of talk about your business, man, and uh, how top class training kind of developed and, and where you're at now. Yeah, man. So uh, growing up here in Miami, I, I can't say this enough. You've heard me say a million times. The talent in Miami is is unreal. We have the best Colombians, the best Brazilians, the best Venezuelans, the best Ecuadorians, the best uh, El Salvadorian, the best from every country here. And uh, there's just so much talent. And growing up, we had a very talented club team. I mean, we were in state final four almost every year since we were 12 until we were 18 until we went to college. We won it three or four times, I think. And uh, a lot of us, well, from my last year in club, our whole starting lineup went D1. Uh, and I think the rest of the players still went on full scholarships or on good scholarships. Uh, whether it was D1, D2, or uh, community college. And then after college, um, I would talk to my buddies, and we would always talk to each other and be like, we were so good. 
how come none of us are playing pro? And we have one, one, we have two friends that made it pro. And the only two guys that made it pro, one of them is number 10 in uh, Houston Dynamo. Shout out Fafa. Uh, he, he just, while we were in camp, he, uh, he played here in Miami against Inter Miami and scored two goals against us. Yeah. Um, he's one of the ones that made it. And we're talking with our buddies and we're like, why? Like, why did he make it? And why did our other friend Pablo make it? And it's, uh, it's the discipline, man. These guys never saw them at a party. You never saw them drinking. You never, uh, on days off, they were always training. Even when, when Fafa's here in town, he's training all the time uh, on his own. And uh, so that's when I started talking to my buddies. Like, we we're not playing at the highest level because we didn't do the extra work. Nobody taught us to do the extra work. Growing up, I'm telling you, all these state championships that we had with our club team, our coach was a football coach. He didn't even know soccer. Uh, and we were trained twice a week. We were trained Tuesdays and Thursdays and games on the weekends. So it's like, what were we doing on those days off? You know, like I wasn't doing anything. I was riding bicycle with my neighbors or like I was definitely not working on my technique, working on my left foot. I was not putting in the extra work that is needed to get to that next level. So um, that's when I was talking to my buddies and we're like, let's give this service. Cause I remember growing up, there was one coach that would do it, but that's one. Um, so we're like, Let, let's start training kids. Uh, I've trained kids in, in, in college. Um, and it's something I enjoy, you know, like I'm, I'm done playing. How can I give the sport back? So, um that's how top class training started uh it, and it just started with me training a few kids uh for free to get some content this is like 2017 2018 and little by little man the the parents started seeing results the parents loved their trainings and it started going and um it really took off uh i didn't expect that i thought it was just going to be some extra income on the side other than my nine to five job i had a great nine to five job. I had no intentions of quitting. Um, but then this training business took off and I quit my nine to five and, and now I dedicate my life to it, man. I've, and, and the reason that this piques my interest as well is because first of all, you're talking about the improvement at a young age, teaching the, the discipline at a young age and kind of getting them on track to see, you know, how they can really develop as players and as people. Uh, you also had the opportunity to bring a top class team to the NBSL to play, and they balled out, is my understanding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's another thing. I love what Francis is doing. I love what you're doing. Uh, just growing, just growing the awareness for for beach soccer. Um, Growing up, I didn't hear of beach soccer until 2016. <laughs> I got invited to play against the Bahamian national team. So um, you guys are doing a great job of, of showing the, the sport to, to people that have never seen it before. And with this last tournament, I got the opportunity to be a part of that. And by putting in some of my players from, from my academy into the tournament, we put in six teams in four categories. And we made it to the finals on all four categories. One of them won it. Um, so it, it was amazing just to see the kids playing in a new surface. We've had uh, trainings before. 
sporadically with with Nikki and and her business gains. Um, we team up and, and train kids over the summer every now and then, and and the parents love it. I mean, the parents and the kids. The kids love playing on the sand. The parents love just hanging out at the beach while the kids are training. It's it's a win win for everybody, and and um, and not only does it help to play beach soccer but it also helps them on the grass running on the sand is going to make them stronger it's going to make them faster the technique without shoes and playing barefooted it, it helps them so much too so it's just uh it's a great experience man i i love what when the kids go out there and 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 the kids loved it that tournament was was amazing they're begging for the next one so it was a great success I mean, not to mention too, Miami has like decent weather, so I'm I'm assuming that y'all enjoy getting out, you know, when it's not too hot type deal. Right, right, yeah. We try to. Well, the problem here is it gets too hot. <laughs> I wanted you to bring up uh, the indoor facility that you also train out of, right? So you have an indoor space um, that you're able to take your business indoors. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So. When I started training, like I told you, I just started uh, by myself. I was training kids, and I remember my nine-to-five job. I actually got to pick a schedule that I worked Monday through Thursday, so I had Fridays off. So on Fridays, I would train kids from, like, 2 p.m., 2 p.m., 3 p.m., 4 p.m., back-to-back from 2 all the way to 8. So this was in January, I remember. And then I thought to myself, okay, I could do this now. January weather's not bad here. What am I going to do in the summer when it's 100 degrees, super humid, and it rains every day, too? So, like, I'm going to get rained out. So, um, I reached out to this guy that owned the indoor soccer facility. I played at his facility once many years ago, and I hated it. <laughs> I, I played there once. I told my friend, don't invite me. I don't want to play here. It's too small. But I reached out to him because it's a small facility, but it's perfect for the kids, you know? So uh, I try to work out a deal so that he can give me a better pricing to rent his space and everything aligned, man. Uh, just, you, it's crazy how things work out. He, he happened to be selling it. He wasn't selling it. He didn't put it on the market, but he told me, he's like, look, I haven't told anybody, but I'm willing to sell it. And we started negotiating and three months later, I was able to buy the facility. And, and that's when my business really took off. That's when I had... I wasn't using public parks to train kids. Like I had my own facility. Everybody could come to me. I could start hosting camps. I can start uh, holding classes with a lot of players. Um, and that's when my business really took off, man. And that's another reason why I had to quit my my day job too, because it's also a business of its own. I, I use the facility for my training business, but it's also a, a soccer field that people rent, old players rent to play in. So, so yeah, now and then on this uh, entrepreneurship uh, trip and um, nothing, man. I love it. It's, it's two businesses that go hand in hand with each other. So it's, it's somewhat easier to handle, but at the same time, it's two different businesses. One is a soccer field rental and the other one's soccer training. So it's, it, it's a lot, but it's soccer, man. <laughs> soccer is my life and I'm, it, I'm loving every minute of it. I mean, man, say what you will, man, that's aspiring, right? Uh, you went from a nine to five in which I'm sure the money was good. It was, you know, something that, you know, allowed you to do the things you wanted to do, but at the same time, 
being able to work your passion and that be your kind of avenue of your livelihood and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, I think that's awesome. And, you know, I'll probably just move out to Miami and work for you at some point. And then that just sounds like it's a much better position for everyone. You're welcome, man. Whenever you want. Andres, man, I appreciate your time, brother. It's always a good time catching up with you. Um, again, can't uh, say enough how, you know, I'm impressed by how, how far you've come and I'm super stoked to see where you're going to end up. Um, inspiring me to, to, put in this extra work to myself. So uh, again, 100% we'll have you on the podcast when you make your debut. We'll touch base and reflect on this episode, but uh, dude, super excited to see you at the next camp or tournament or wherever it's at. Uh, and just thank you, man. I hear you, man. Thank you for uh, for having me. And, and dude, don't be so humble, man. You're, you're on the way. Too, man, you, you had a great... Uh, Great showing the last couple of times we played together. So keep working, man. You'll be there too. Make me cut off this last part of the podcast, bro. All right. <laughs> I just appreciate you, bro. Thank you, man. <laughs>